When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. A 12-year-old boy's dream has come true. WrestleMania Rewind with Mackie and Declan has taken us all the way to WrestleMania 12, Declan Goff. Oh, yeah. March 31st, 1996, as Vince McMahon said there, from the Anaheim Pond. Peak 90s, Mighty Ducks logo and stuff all up in there. I loved it. Yes. You had 18,853 in attendance, and this was a six-match WrestleMania card. A six-match card. That's it. Yeah. Because the Iron Man match, a 60-minute Iron Man match that also went into overtime between WWF champion Bret Hart and and, and uh, challenger Shawn Michaels. And what I don't think it's billed as the greatest match of all time, but it's definitely like in the conversation oh, yeah. of like the 10 to 20 greatest matches or most noteworthy matches of all time in wrestling history. And so a quick summary or a quick setting up of the scene here. This was... The reemergence of WWF slash WWE into relevancy here. Yeah. Like they were, they still weren't out of the woods because they were actually, I believe they were actually entering a period where WCW was going to take over the Monday night ratings for 83 weeks. I don't think that had even started yet. So like they were definitely going to get dominated by WCW for another year or two before they really emerged. But you could, this card is full of the guys from the Attitude Era that, eventually took the WWF and wiped out WCW. This was like the beginning of the Attitude Era in a lot of ways, where you had more edge to the characters, more edge to the wrestling. Vince McMahon had not yet gone to the locker room and said, listen, we're going to go full edge yet. They hadn't like made it official official yet, but the seeds were being planted at WrestleMania 12 here. And let's just start out with your favorite part about WrestleMania 12. Well, the fact it just got back on track after the disaster that was WrestleMania 11, like even though this was only six matches and obviously the main event was was iconic as it is, you saw a bunch of the people, like you just said, that basically set the tone for the whole Attitude Era. Triple H, who wasn't really Triple H, he was just Hunter Hearst Helmsley making his first appearance, also with Sable 
making yeah, her dude. first appearance too, who was also a key cog in the Attitude Era. Rena Lesnar. Yeah. Rena Lesnar now. Is and uh, that's right, Brock Lesnar's wife. And I know Mark Marrow made an appearance too in the backstage, and I believe they were a couple too, and they were kind of intertwined for a while. So you saw those two. Um, you still had Brett and Owen Hart involved in the fold. Obviously, Stone Cold Steve Austin made his debut. You saw a bunch of these mid '90s guys who were the the early foundations. They weren't they weren't who they were by the peak of the Attitude Era, but you started to see the wheels turn. So for me, it was just refreshing after just a horrible card of WrestleMania 11 to at least get back on track with what WrestleMania yes. should be. Because I know going forward, we're going to go on a run here of like seven epic. WrestleMania. Yes, we are. And WrestleMania 13 is the next one, and that one is awesome. Yeah. And that's like, there's a couple solidifying moments in Stone Cold Steve Austin's career, and WrestleMania 13 is one of them. Another one came three months after this WrestleMania, WrestleMania 12, which we're going to get into, but my favorite part was the, what it was the 60-minute Iron Man match. Like, yeah. you know, I'm not going to try and be a WrestleMania 12 hipster here. Like, this was an awesome match between two guys that are just made to go in the ring and run circles around everybody else. This is a rare Shawn Michaels good guy appearance in a big match in the 90s. Like Shawn Michaels had very few baby face runs. He was mostly, ever since turning on Marty Jannetty in like 1991, after he uh, disbanded the Rockers, all the way through his back injury in 1998, he was mostly just like a hateable bad guy that was cocky and brash. Not only as a character on the screen, but behind the scenes. And I think just to take it a step further, my favorite, favorite part about this was the controversy that surrounded the match and the end of the match Mm -hmm. that that sort of led to the eventual Montreal screw job in some ways. So did you notice at the end of the match, so Shawn Michaels, they go 60 minutes, no pinfalls and they get into overtime and gorilla monsoon, the new president comes. like the story was perfectly done, right? Bret Hart, Kind of a double turn, like Shawn Michaels is the good guy. Bret Hart wasn't fully a bad guy, but was kind of, kind of like just for lack of a better phrase, a whiny bitch. Like yeah. this, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. like he loses. Uh, well, he the, the match ends in a draw, and then he grabs the belt and starts walking back. And Gorilla Monsoon says, "No, we're not. This thing's not over. It's, it's going to go sudden death until someone pins." And then Bret Hart's like complaining the whole time. That eventually gets his face kicked in by Shawn Michaels. And if you noticed a couple things, one, during the match, Shawn Michaels was working really stiff. Like, if you go back and watch the match again, Vince McMahon had told wrestlers in that era, hey, with, with WCW getting more reality-based and with and, and Mike McGivern had this note. We're going to get to uh, observations from loyal listener Mike as well. UFC was, was definitely at its uh, beginning point, yeah. and, like, Mike Tyson came back and was like, combat sports were becoming a thing, and so... Let's tighten up the blows a little bit here. And Shawn Michaels worked the match really stiff and gave a couple deliberate shots to Bret Hart. And then at the end of the match, Shawn Michaels wins with the super kick. Bret Hart's laying there on the, he's selling the injury and laying there after, you know, an hour and a half epic, right? (laughs) And Shawn Michaels says something to Earl Hebner, the referee. And Earl Hebner is kind of like, he doesn't know what to do. If you go back and read his lips, Shawn Michaels says, get him the bleep out of my ring. He's like saying, this is my moment. Get that guy out. Get Bret Hart of the ring. And then Jose Lothario, the manager, comes up. And Shawn Michaels told the referee, get these guys out of the ring. I want to celebrate this by myself. Wow. Well, cocky, brash, bleephole. So I definitely noticed just him being the cocky a-hole that he is. And even like when Earl Hebner tries to put the belt on him, you know, just like he brushes him away. I want to put the belt on. And he's yes. like parading it and, and whatnot. But I was super impressed, too, with just how toe-to-toe Michaels could go with Bret Hart. Because... 
yes, this was his peak. He like, you know, he was, I think he was 30 by this time and he was a little bit more buffer than he was towards his second tenure in WWF and WWE. But I underestimated how physically good this dude could wrestle. Like Bret Hart is a technician, right? Him and I put Bret Hart and Kurt Angle kind of in this like mold where they can, they can make anyone look good. And also they're just great wrestlers. Yeah, like they're, they're, they're just machines. They're not wrestlers. They're wrestlers. They really are really good at what they do. And for me, I'm used to Shawn Michaels kind of just getting the super kick and doing his elbow drop and being flamboyant, bouncing around the ring. That was not the case for this match. Shawn Michaels was was legitimately going toe-to-toe with arm drags and holds and everything, just like what Bret Hart would do, and that's what was super impressive to me. I think you'll see, too, like, as we go forward here, Shawn Michaels, this was the best match Shawn Michaels had because the next couple years he was on pills and then his back was messed up for WrestleMania 14, and so he wasn't... He couldn't perform at the level. But when he came back, like in the 2000s, that's when you saw some of his best work as like a 38-year-old and a 40-year-old. And I think you'll see like in in some of his biggest matches, this one, the matches against The Undertaker, the match against Kurt Angle. I think he had a Jericho match in the mix at WrestleMania. That dude can work. And he is, for my money, like Shawn Michaels is the greatest in-ring performer of all time. When you put everything together together, Ability to cut a promo, to tell a story, yes. to endurance, moves, high-flying, everything. He's the best in-ring performer of all time. And Bret Hart is right there in the mix as well. Bret Hart doesn't have quite the the, the flair and the personality. Yeah. And he doesn't have like the high-flying stuff. that He was more of a second-rope guy sure. and, a, and a tactician. But um, like everything about that match, man, like Shawn Michaels ziplining in from the top of the arena, <laughs> sudden death overtime. It was a great story. Everything about it was amazing. Here's a, an, an on-the-spot question for you. Which other two guys in wrestling history would you like to see in a 60-minute Ironman match? Because I think it's hard to make a 60-minute match interesting. It is. They, yeah. were, they were more common in the NWA days of the 70s and the mm-hmm. 80s where you'd go town to town. You'd have these big, sometimes stadium main events. And like Ric Flair would wrestle 60 minutes every night back in the day. And then when TV came into play, like you can't just have 60-minute matches on TV of an hour of TV or something. Right. So so matches got condensed to 5, 10, 15 minutes. So WrestleMania is one of the rare platforms where you could do a 60-minute Ironman match. I don't think you'd ever do it today because I think people would lose, like the attention span would be an issue. So sometimes you see Ironman matches that are 30 minutes in today's age. So it's kind of a relic of the past, but not many guys can do it. Like. No. The big show is not doing a 60-minute Ironman <laughs> yeah. match. Stone Cold Steve Austin like probably isn't doing a 60-minute Ironman match, even in his, in his prime. Right. Um, who do you think could make a 60-minute Ironman match interesting if you could go and pluck anyone from like sure. either today's era or any other era? Well, I, I do think if you were able to pluck eras, Kurt Angle and Bret Hart would be your... Oh, like, my God. That would be it. Like, Kurt that Angle, would, yeah. That would be totally it. You have two technician wrestlers, submission guys, and Kurt can do some aerodynamic stuff. He can go off the top rope. He can do a moonsault. So I wouldn't mind seeing that. I think the guys that would have been like, I love the high flyer. So I love Jeff Hardy. I loved Rob Van Dam, um, Ray Mysterio to that extent too. But those guys probably wouldn't really sell too well in a 60 minute Ironman match because of their flair for just the dramatic and what they do at the end of their match. Like how many, yeah. Like how many times is Jeff Hardy going to jump up and do, you know, and sacrifice off the top himself yeah. from 45 feet yeah. just to get a pop out of the crowd. So it's hard to get those guys. So I think it's the submission dudes like, Kurt Angle or even a Chris Jericho um, guys like that, that can really grind you down. I think triple H could do it. Triple H definitely has the technician and, and has, and definitely has the durability to probably put himself 
into that conversation. And then even guys like the problem is, you know, today's wrestlers are just like so difficult to watch. If you were to do it, I think even in just like the women's division, like Charlotte Flair, I feel like could do it. Like Charlotte Flair could definitely do a 60 minute women's Ironman match. And it would be, it'd be awesome. Who would you pair with her? I think that is up for debate. I think there's a lot of great female wrestlers, but that's 60 minutes. And I know Mike mentioned it in his notes. The problem is the crowd just is watching the clock than they are really more watching the match. So right. it's tough. But I think submission guys and submission women are the ones you probably would want in an Iron Man match. So I found a list. There's actually a Wikipedia page for Iron Man matches, of like official World Wrestling <laughs> Entertainment Iron Man matches. And it, actually, WCW had a couple 30 minute ones Ricky Steamboat and Rick Rude at Beach Blast in 1992. <laughs> I th- I want I I I'm looking this up in TNA because I feel like AJ Styles would be a great one. There AJ is. Styles has done a couple thirty minute Ironman matches. AJ Styles and Kurt Angle have both done Ironman matches of thirty minute length, but never against each other. It looks like. Yeah, Styles has done a bunch of thirty minute matches. If you could go back like ten years ago when AJ Styles was first emerging out of the scene in TNA and Kurt Angle was still, you know, at least able to run around a ring in like two thousand six yeah. and seven. Angle and Samoa Joe did one in 2007, 30 minutes. But I think Angle and Styles could have done a 60-minute Ironman match. The last, can you guess the year of the last 60-minute WWE Ironman match? So this one was 96. So I I bet they did at least one more, and it was probably within... Before the millennium, so I would I would say probably like ninety nine was probably the last time they would have attempted it. The last one they did was actually well, it's kind of a trick question. They the last official one was two thousand nine. Okay, it was John Cena and Randy Orton. Oh, okay, and it was an anything goes Iron Man match at Bragging Rights pay per view, and John Cena won six falls to five for the <laughs> WWE Championship. It was just f it was just fus and RKOs <laughs> just going yeah. back and forth. There was also apparently one on June 10th, 2013. On Monday Night Raw, it was billed as Triple H versus Curtis Axel. Curtis Axel from Anoka, Minnesota, Mr. Perfect's kid. That's right. No winner because Vince McMahon interrupted the match. He stopped the match and declared Axel the winner via disqualification. And later, uh, there was a forfeit. And this was just kind of a a (laughs) fake thing. If you go back further than that, Kurt, let's see, Triple H and Chris Benoit on Raw for the championship. Okay. On July 26, 2004, Angle versus Lesnar for the WWE Championship on SmackDown, hour-long Iron Man match on September 18th, 2003. I'd watch that. Oh, Triple H and The Rock had a 60-minute Iron Man match at Judgment Day in (laughs) 2000 for the championship in a 6-5 falls victory by Triple H. Um, And that was was the last one. Um, You got to go back then to Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. So there were actually two other 60-minute Ironman matches before Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. 1993, at a WWE, these are both just house events. So just house shows. Just house shows. Yeah. At the Boston Garden, Bret Hart beat Ric Flair for the WWF Heavyweight Championship. And then Bret Hart beat Owen Hart in an hour-long Ironman match on July 8th, 1994. So wow. there's your Ironman match history. Interesting. Pretty amazing. I feel like lumberjack matches have been the one that I've kind of like taken it over to a degree. Like it's a different, totally different style. Like lumberjack not, matches are lame, though. and, and they are. They, they just I don't really understand what the point is. <laughs> Putting a bunch of people yeah. around the ring and uh, all right. Your least favorite part about WrestleMania twelve? 
Least favorite part for WrestleMania 12 was I, I at first I was really excited for it, and then I didn't really understand it was the Roddy Piper and Goldust like. Oh, you didn't like this. Ball. I love Goldust. Like I, I love the gimmick. I love Dustin Rhodes. I love everything about Goldust, and I was super excited to see him for the first WrestleMania, his first WrestleMania appearance. And I love Roddy Piper. I just don't. I, I, I didn't really understand how it was like. It started in the backward in a backroom brawl, and then it turns into like an OJ Simpson Bronco chase. And then they're back that was in the more ring. Like a, that was kind of a joke. Like, yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah, it, but it was just like this is sloppy. I didn't. I didn't. Li- I had really high hopes going into it, and I was disappointed because I was like confused on the pausing and the starting again. So I, that was probably the most disappointing part. It was a little bit reminiscent of the, the cinematic matches we've seen recently, like the Boneyard match. Like they definitely filmed yeah. a part of this earlier in the day or something, right. or I don't know what their deal was, but. Um, but yeah, the match starts with Goldust rolling up in a gold Cadillac and Piper going on a rampage with a baseball bat. I feel like. Okay, Goldust rolls up, Piper bashes out a couple of the windows, and now Goldust is just, like, running for his life from Piper. <laughs> Piper could have just ended everything right there, right? Just a couple. Instead, couple. instead of using the bat as a swinging weapon, he used it as a chokehold device, and I feel like that's a mistake. If you've got a guy, a defenseless guy without a weapon, and you've got a baseball bat, you got to go for the side of the head and just totally. end the match there. Totally. But uh, So Goldust, actually, his head gets busted open the hard way as they're, like, grappling on the top of the... The car, Piper clearly like cuts his hand or something, and there's blood on the door. At one point, Goldust actually hits Roddy Piper with the car. Like they did a, they did a scene where, <laughs> like Piper tries to jump up over the hood as the car is is ramming into him, and he like gets his knees clipped Oof. and stuff. It's pretty bad. Um, but I I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. It's it's your least favorite part. I, the match ends in the ring, and it gets a little bit weird. Where like Goldust is like trying to make out with Roddy Piper, yeah, and then he's so weird. But I love it. Piper rips off Gold Dust wrestling uniform to reveal lingerie and a lot of the stuff like you wouldn't do in 2020. Like Piper the homophobe. Yeah. And in Gold Dust just being like overtly sexual. But <laughs> I don't know. My least favorite part was the Ultimate Warrior versus Triple H. R- right. I I could see it. Because at the time of this match, Ultimate Warrior is the megastar coming back for the first time mm-hmm. in years. And Triple H is like this unknown you know, this like random upstart dude. And obviously now with the benefit of 25 years of hindsight, Triple H is the bigger star Mm -hmm. and Triple H is one of the greatest of all time. Uh, But the fact that Warrior wins this match in 90 seconds and no sells everything, including a pedigree, like the dude takes a full on pedigree from Triple H. And now like now guys, when they take the pedigree, they put their knee down and kind of absorb it with their knee. Yeah. This is when guys are like taking the pedigree face down. Ouch. He takes the pedigree face down and just stands right back up yeah. and then goes on his comeback route. Typical warrior thing. It's like you can't you can't like lay there for a minute and like kick out or something. It's I just know. ridiculous. And and you totally saw it coming the moment the pedigree happened within, you know, sixty seconds. You're like, Well, he's gonna kick out. Like there's Correct. no way he's not gonna knock it's ultimate warrior. See, this is part of the gimmick. And they didn't even get to the pin. Like he didn't even kick out. He just like stood up. Yeah. He, just, he just stood up right away. So um so the warrior was involved in a couple feuds after WrestleMania over the next couple months. Uh, and he was, according to Wikipedia, he was scheduled to team with Shawn Michaels and Ahmed Johnson to face Owen Hart and the British Bulldog and Vader at In Your House 9 later that month. But WWF terminated Warrior's contract when he missed several house shows and took time off to allegedly grieve the death of his father. WWF owner Vince McMahon claimed that Warrior had not seen his father in 10 years and did not care much for him. Therefore, he did not take Warrior's excuse for missing multiple house shows at face value. Warrior disputes McMahon's explanation, claiming that the real reason why he no-showed those events was a breach of contract by Vince McMahon, in which WWF sold Warrior's merchandise without giving him a percentage. 
He was replaced by Psycho Sid at In Your House 9, and then he did not make an appearance on WWF TV for over 20 years, and then he died and the next day. he died the next day. He has the spookiest <laughs> life I've ever seen, man. It's really, really weird. It is super, super weird. Um, okay, other things that happened here. Stone Cold Steve Austin, you mentioned his WrestleMania debut against Savio Vega. This was three months before Stone Cold's famous Austin 316 speech at King of the Ring. Oh, yeah. Where he buries Jake the Snake Roberts. Yes. And it's also three months before he debuted the Stone Cold Stunner finisher. So you're getting like Stone Cold is still kind of under the wing of Ted DiBiase here. He switches to the black boots. He's the million dollar champion. He was stunning Steve Austin before he was Stone Cold Steve Austin. He was also the ringmaster at one point. They were trying to figure out his gimmick. So this is like the first WrestleMania and the first pay-per-view where he's really honing that Stone Cold gimmick. Then he adds the promo. He adds the finisher. And boom, it's two years until he's the top star, maybe in the history of the company. For sure. It is It is cool to see him as pre-Steve. I mean, I just looked at him as Steve Austin, right? Like, I didn't really look at him as Stone Cold necessarily. Um, and then I totally thought at first glance that Savio Vega was D'Lo Brown. Like, oh, is that D'Lo Brown? <laughs> and then uh, and, and a Google search, I realized, no, he was not D'Lo Brown. But he was part of the Nation of Domination, which I did figure out down the Wikipedia wormhole. So I was I was close in the ballpark. But cool to see Steve Austin basically, be honestly, look a little bit more tactically sound. Yeah, he was like, he was like flying around off the top rope right. a couple times. Yeah, Because like, the thing with Stone Cold, even though he was amazing on the microphone, he has probably one of the most, most iconic finishers, like he really just has very limited move supply. It's it's everything he does outside of the ring that sells you on Stone yeah, Cold. That's because this is before he broke his neck and like hurt his knees. So Got it. like in the next couple of years, he legitimately breaks his neck and has to sit out for like seven months and just does like they, they kept him on TV because he was so hot. Yeah. But he took a pile driver, I think from Owen Hart, he that's took right. a, took a pile driver, broke his neck and like he just hasn't he didn't have the movement that he did, but he was becoming a megastar. Um, so this yeah, this was this was Stone Cold's, and, and it's funny watching Stone Cold come out. He didn't have the music yet, the glass-breaking music yet right. either. That started, I think, in sometime in like late 96. So to watch Stone Cold, knowing that two years later he's going to be the biggest star in the history of the company, getting basically no reaction from the crowd, mm-hmm. and if it's a reaction, they're kind of booing him. It's just super weird to see that. And then Triple H coming out and getting no reaction. Right. And coming out, both guys coming out to this weird mellow music too. Yeah. Well, Hunter being like, yeah, this weird Prince kind of, yeah, this hoity-toity, British Connecticut kind of guy. Yeah, it, it was. it's weird seeing that and not the, the cerebral assassin, the game, if you will, that is the Triple H. Exactly. Uh, Undertaker versus Diesel. You know, they don't call me Big Daddy cool for nothing. I don't sweat the little things. I don't sweat the big things either. Undertaker, you're a big obstacle. Tonight, Big Daddy takes cool of you. And then, Sean, good luck. I'll get you next. This was the last WrestleMania, at least until I think Kevin Nash wrestled in a couple WrestleManias yeah, later on in his did. career. I think he did. But this was just a short, well, this is two months before Scott Hall and Kevin Nash showed up on WCW TV and then eventually turned into the NWO. And uh, Diesel, with the classic mistake, he hits his finisher twice, hits the jackknife powerbomb twice. Doesn't go for the pin. Undertaker comes back, wins the match. Like, classic mistake by Diesel not capitalizing here. Loved um, Undertaker, the purple garment, the gloves and gloves oh, yeah. and boots. Because, like, he mixes it up with gray and black, but the purple Undertaker. And then, like, I've been watching some 1999 wrestling, and that's, like, the peak of Ministry of Darkness when he's, like, I want to say Undertaker's thing got stale, but he touches on it in the last ride where he knew he had to change it a little bit. Yeah. He had to tweak it just a bit while still keeping, like, the dead man persona, but then also adopting kind of this patriotic American thing as it got closer to 9-11. Like, 
he it's actually pretty genius because I know a lot of people don't like ABA Undertaker, but I loved it because like that was kind of was my peak fandom of of ABA Undertaker, and and I loved how he incorporated it still into the AJ Styles match. He incorporated like all the Undertaker personas into that, but this was still Dead Man. I I wear these purple guards. He has the fandom of the opera mask on and the promo thing like so it, it, it's cool to see still that this was peak undertaker and he can go toe-to-toe with anyone like a big guy in kevin nash and he's like flying off the top rope yes. he's just peak athleticism oh, yeah. undertaker um some fun facts from listener mike who gives us a large email full of of fun wrestlemania facts every single week here this one is a doozy he says with stiff competition from wcw paul Heyman's upstart ecw was taking the wrestling world by storm too and combat sports like UFC and uh, and Pan Crace hitting the scene, Vince McMahon acknowledged his former promotion was stale. And so he pushed for a new philosophy with matches that had stiffer blows, higher-risk moves, and characters and storylines with more of an edge to them. The original plan was for WrestleMania 12 to be centered around Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels, Undertaker Diesel, and Vader versus Yokozuna. Um, glad that that didn't happen no. as a solo match, because Yoko, this is Yokozuna's swan song in, in WWF as well. And so uh, Bret Hart was actually setting up to leave the company for an acting gig for a while after WrestleMania. And so it was a good time to pass the belt over to Shawn Michaels. And then that feud sort of continued behind the scenes and on camera over the next year and a half leading up to the Montreal screw job at, at Survivor Series. And we'll do that. At, so we'll review that one at some point nice. as well uh, once we get uh, a few a few of these WrestleManias under our belt. But um Scott Hall, you'll notice Razor Ramon was was not part of this WrestleMania. Vince McMahon was notified via telegram that Scott Hall was giving his notice and leaving for for WCW. Hall was unhappy because he had been feuding with Goldust, and there was not only a discomfort with Goldust the character, but if Hall was going to lose his Intercontinental title to anyone, he wanted it to be his friend, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. When Scott Hall dropped the title to Goldust at Royal Rumble and WCW's Eric Bischoff upped his offer, Scott Hall was a goner. McMahon was not happy that Hall gave his notice via telegram and retroactively suspended Hall for having marijuana show up on a December drug test, assuring he'd miss out on a WrestleMania payday for the blow-off match to his feud with Goldust. Uh, Goldust was a very, very, very controversial character, too. Gay activist groups like GLAD were protesting the character and crowd chants of derogatory F-word for gay people were also heard at times during his matches in arenas. Um, Mick Foley debuted on Raw the next night yeah. after this WrestleMania. Mark Miro made his debut. He was more of a Sable guy myself. Yeah, he was married to Sable till 2004. And Mark Henry was signed to a deal right before this right. WrestleMania also to begin training as a wrestler after the Atlanta Olympics. So what was your match that stole the show here? Not counting the main event. Uh, probably, probably Diesel and Undertaker. Um, I mean that I thought it was a really really good match, and to the build up to it, like I remember, I think they showed a vignette before at the Royal Rumble where it was a cage match, like between Hart, Diesel, and some, I think Shawn Michaels and Undertaker, you know, pulls him under the ring and like that typical lore of Undertaker. So I think there was a solid build up there, and I also will say it wasn't a great match, but Ahmad Johnson was a beast. Like that, I, I remember yeah. him from '98 in the peak of attitude. But this was his first could mania appearance. Yeah, yeah, but he couldn't and stay couldn't healthy. Talk on a microphone, really, either. Kind of like a, a lot like Bobby Lashley. Like Bobby Lashley's a freak of nature, and when he yeah. first came around, like around the mid 2000s, like, oh, this guy's gonna be the next thing. But yeah, not really great on the mic, and just probably wasn't really what WWF wanted him to be. But 
in this one, he is flying all over the place, and I, I did appreciate that too. So I, I would say Taker versus Diesel, but and, but there's solid moments that I think are really good in this WrestleMania. Sure. Yeah, I think uh, for me the the backlot brawl actually stole the show. <laughs> as it, it, the main event stole the show, but like the backlot yeah. brawl was was pretty entertaining. All right, definitive mania rankings. What's your one through ten stunner score here, and then we'll we'll slot it in. I I think it's a, a solid seven. Um, I, I think it it definitely gets back on track, and even though it's a smaller card, I think there's enough meat on the bone with all the superstars that are involved that make it a pretty decent WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, it's definitely you know when when you rank all the WrestleManias, it's probably going to fall maybe middle of the card to an average WrestleMania. But from what we have had, I would bet that we would have to slide it into our probably top five. Yeah. I, uh, I give it like, it's like a solid seven, seven and a half for me stunners. Yeah. And I'm putting it fourth. So I've got WrestleMania 10 is still number one to this point. I've got WrestleMania six with Hogan warrior main event as number two. Savage flair main event of WrestleMania eight is three. And then I've got this one fourth. Yeah. I think that's right. I think yeah. that's accurate because it is in his fifth three. Uh, WrestleMania five is five. is five. is fifth here, okay. and then WrestleMania three is sixth. Okay, so yeah, I think it's definitely in that range. And I mean, th- those ones three, five, and six are more a little more iconic. But I, I do think that this one definitely puts the puts us right back on the track we want to be for other WrestleManias. Yes. So there it is, WrestleMania rewind here with Mackie and Declan. WrestleMania thirteen, one of the most iconic oh, Stone wait. Cold Steve Austin matches of all time. And a double turn with Stone Cold Steve Austin and Bret Hart. Just great storytelling can't coming wait. up at WrestleMania 13. The first time ever, I can't really think of a whole lot left to say. Everybody knows the story. Now it's just time, final chapter. Well, you know, for me, it's just the whole thing's finally coming to a head, you know. It's do or die and, uh, you know, 60-minute Iron Man match, we're going to find out just how good Shawn Michaels is. I think everyone's going to see just how good I am. And I think uh, the way I look at it is uh, one man's sunset is another man's dawn. And tomorrow morning, I just want to wake up tomorrow morning with this. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup. So you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.